once you once your mind's been exposed to what exists out there, you just can't go back to just being like mediocre. Like I worked too hard to get to that point, you know, graduating from college, getting a finance degree, paying my own way through school. So I'll be darned if I was just gonna sit there and and hug the cubicle, if you will, for till I was 65 and a half, 67 and a half, so I get the pension benefits. So I had to make the conscious decision. I said, you know what? This is not gonna work. So I ended the relationship and I basically had to give her a two week notice. So I gave her the two week notice that, hey, this is not gonna work and I'm gonna need you to pack your stuff up and actually move out. And she you know, was crying and so forth, didn't really think I was serious. But at that same time, I was looking for roommates right on Craigslist, like I gotta find someone to fill up, I gotta find someone to fill up those rooms because I don't wanna pay this mortgage at all. And I wanna you know, take that cash flow and go ahead and uh, you know, get some, some revenue coming in. So long story short, I found some guys from Las Vegas. They were working at the Venetian uh, Casino, and they were relocating because this was all during the whole nationalization scare. The economy was tanking. So they actually moved into my two rooms, paying $650 and $650. They were friends, and they're working at Delaware Park Casino. So now I have $1,300 coming in from them, plus grandma in the basement paying another $750. So I'm maxing out, well, I thought I was maxing out, but then I, then I woke up another morning, I was scratching my head, I was like, man, I'm like 23 years old, what do I need this master bedroom with the, the balcony, the walk-in closet, the soaking tub, the shower, all that good stuff, I said, man, I don't need this. And I'm not trying to impress anyone, because I'm, I'm just very frugal, I'm very frugal, like rice and beans every day type of frugal. So I say, you know what, I moved my king bed all the way down to the garage, I have a two-car garage, moved the king bed down there. I brought my dressers down. There. I cleaned out the room completely. So now I'm down there living in the garage. And then I rented out my master bedroom for another 750. So now we got two 750s coming in. That's like 1500. Then I got a 650, 650, 1300. And my note is 1200. So I'm cash flowing like something crazy. Um, and I figured out a way how to live for 95. I was basically saving 95% of my take home pay from Bank of America and I got my overhead covered. My car is already paid off from, you know, before just being good with money. And that's really what propelled me to start, you know, investing in properties. Hey, turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase the greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary sh for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak. That shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. Today's episode is sponsored by B. Jones. 
Lee is a successful businessman and serial entrepreneur from Memphis, Tennessee. After being inspired to break into the real estate industry while working as a security guard, B has been able to completely change his life and many of the lives around him through his various business ventures, one of those being a 200K club. B really takes great pride in helping others, and if you're in need of advice, whether it be business or real estate related, you can contact B at thebjones.com. This episode is sponsored by Park Hill Capital Ventures. Park Hill Capital is a multi-purpose investment firm specializing in real estate, founded by Deanna Kent and Xavier Miller. We offer several different services to educate and mentor you on how to successfully invest in real estate, no matter what your experience level is. Additionally, if you're looking for your next investment property, we can also help with that. Our team has access to deals all across the country, and we connect you with your next deal in no time. And if you have a property that you would like to sell regardless of the situation, we can work with you to get your property sold ASAP. To learn more about our services or to get started, go to www.parkhillcapitalventures.com. So what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Xavier, and sitting here with my co-host, Deanna. How y'all doing, everybody? And today, we have a, a super dope guest. I feel like this is going to be a great episode. Uh, his name is Doug Depp. He's a real estate investor and the CEO of FLD Properties, Inc. So welcome to the show, Doug. We're super excited to have you here. Hey, I just want to say thanks for having me. I'm excited just to you know give you guys some information, share some jewels, and just, yeah, let's get it. And just getting right into it. So just uh, for those who are not aware or all the things you're doing now, like just giving a little background to yourself. What was the start? to How, how did you get into real estate? Yeah, so I mean, I guess the story goes back a while, right? Um, I, was, I was born in a place called Camden, New Jersey. I lived down in South Jersey, a place called Somerville. But then at the age of four, we moved over to a place called Blue Belt in uh, Montgomery County. And I went to a school that was a... Uh, I mean, it was a school that cost about $35,000 every single year, but we were able to get, <clears throat> I was able to get some scholarship funding, financial aid, if you will. They kind of recruited me to play basketball. But during that whole time, I was exposed to like some crazy things. I mean, I was exposed to, um, at 16 years old, parents were paying for their, their kids to go to Australia for a long weekend just for a birthday party. They're getting the Land Rovers at 16. They were getting limo service between you know, elementary school all the way up to, to high school. So I was exposed to a lot, right? And then even to take it a step back, back when I was right around third grade, when I was going to public school, my brother was actually incarcerated for drug trafficking. And so every single week and every Sunday, we had to go to Greaterford Prison. And I mean, this is a traumatizing experience to the point where um, imagine being in third grade, you're getting patted down by these grown men, these guards, you got to go through one door just to get to the next door. They're checking your pockets. You know, they're really treating you like a criminal, even though you're on the, really on the outside. But going to visit my brother every single week, I mean, every single Sunday, every birthday that I had, I was putting money on his books. But going through that process, my parents wanted to kind of lighten up the mood. They wanted to make some, something positive out of it. And by making something positive out of it, we actually went to go see open houses every single time we went to go see my brother. So, yeah, I was very excited to see my brother and so forth. Um, you know, I looked up to him as a big brother. He was like 15 years older than me. However, I really look forward to seeing those open houses. I mean, seeing the, you know, these huge houses, huge mansions, getting the cookies, getting all the different toys they would give, the different gifts. So it was just an amazing experience. So coupling that with the whole coupling of just being in this environment at school where these people are like filthy rich, 
and they all had a commonality of owning real estate. So those two things really like pinpointed me toward the whole real estate investing and so forth. Mm, okay. So getting your first deal, getting that first property, what was, how was that deal and what was that like for you? Yeah, that's great. It's great. Yeah. So let's kind of take it a step back. So I got the, the finance degree and I, during all of college, I was actually selling, you know, Nutrisystem so I could pay my own way through school because my parents cut me off financially at 18. But that first deal was a, a, a FHA loan where I had to only put down three and a half percent. So I put down three and a half percent and I got a quarter million dollar townhome. So basically townhome is kind of like a, a row home, but it went up three floors, purchased the property was for 16000 I was back when Obama was given the $8,000 tax credit. So basically I was all in that deal for eight grand. And during that time I was working at Bank of America and I had a girlfriend and um, to take it a step further, I basically told my girlfriend at the time, I said, hey, listen, you know, there's no way that I want to pay this mortgage. So what do you mean you don't want to pay for it? I just don't want to pay for it. And before that, I, you know, I've invested in like a Donald Trump course that cost $3,000. And to me, that was a whole lot of money. And, um, you know, I'm not a supporter or anything. Just put that out there. But <laughs> it did kind of pique my interest in regards to real estate. But I had to make that investment. But what, but what happened was when I moved into this, this new construction building, I said I didn't want to pay for it. So I said, you know what, we're going to rent this property out. So I was given a lot of, a lot of restrictions, you know, that I couldn't be a guy our age, you know, for, under, you know, understand. It couldn't be a lady our age, you know, I, I completely understand that as well. And it couldn't be like a creepy old man. So I was given all these restrictions. So I said, you know what, let me go on Craigslist and find someone that still fits this mold. So I found a retired grandmother to live in my, my basement floor right next to the garage. And it was a suite with the own own shower, own, own bathroom with a walkout. So that grandmother was willing to pay me $750 just for staying in my, staying in my downstairs that I had open and available for. So once that, once that money like hit my palms, that's really when the light bulb went off. Like seeing that cash money was just something different. You know, working for the bank, all, you get direct deposit. You don't really touch that amount of money all at one time. So then I say, you know what, man, I just got, I just got the bug. And I was like, man, I got it. I got to rent these, I got to rent more rooms out. You know, there's a four bedroom house. So that's one checked off. So I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, yo, listen, we got two more rooms. She's like, oh no, you're crazy. There's no way we're going to go ahead and rent out two of these rooms to strangers. I don't want people walking, you know, around and I'm in the house and so forth. So I said, well, you know, I was just thinking to myself like, man, what can I do? So then one morning I woke up and I said, you know what? Do you want to be rich or do you want to be poor? So that was like the decisioning factor right there. So she, she scratched her head for a quick second. And she said, you know what? I grew up poor, so I'm okay being poor. Like, I don't have to be rich. That's not my goal. She's okay being a teacher, making 30-something thousand dollars a year, whatever. But I, I was like, man, okay being poor. Like, this is crazy. Like, I've seen too much. So, like, once, you, once your mind's been exposed to what exists out there, you just can't go back to just being, like, mediocre. Like, I worked too hard to get to that point, you know, graduating from college getting a finance degree, paying my own way through school. So I'll be darned if I was just going to sit there and, and hug the cubicle, if you will, for till I was 65 and a half, 67 and a half, so I get the pension benefits. So I had to make the conscious decision. I said, you know what? This is not going to work. So I ended the relationship, and I basically had to give her a two-week notice. So I gave her the two-week notice that, hey, this is not going to work, and I'm going to need you to pack your stuff up and actually move out. And she, you know, was crying and so forth. Didn't really think I was serious. 
But at that same time, I was looking for roommates right on Craigslist. Like, I got to find someone to fill up. I got to find someone to fill up those rooms because I don't want to pay this mortgage at all. And I want to you know, take that cash flow and go ahead and uh, you know, get some, some revenue coming in. So long story short, I found some guys from Las Vegas. They were working at the Venetian uh, Casino and they were relocating because it was all during the whole nationalization scare. The economy was tanking. So they actually moved into my two rooms, paying $650 and $650. They were friends, and they're working at Delaware Park Casino. So now I have $1,300 coming in from them, plus grandma in the basement paying another $750. So I'm maxing out. Well, I thought I was maxing out, but then I, then I woke up another morning. I was scratching my head. I was like, man, I'm like 23 years old. What do I need this master bedroom with the, the balcony, the walk-in closet, the soaking tub, the shower, all that good stuff? I said, man, I don't need this. And I'm not trying to impress anyone because I'm, I'm just very frugal. I'm very frugal, like rice and beans every day type of frugal. So I say, you know, I moved my king bed all the way down to the garage. I have a two-car garage. Moved the king bed down there. I brought my dressers down. There. I cleaned out the room completely. So now I'm down there living in the garage. And then I rented out my master bedroom for another $750. So now we got two $750s coming in. That's like $1,500. Then I got a $650, $650, $1,300. And my note is 1200 so I'm cash flowing like something crazy. Um, and I figured out a way how to live for 95, I was basically saving 95% of my take-home pay from Bank of America, and I got my overhead covered. My car is already paid off from, you know, before just being good with money. And that's really what propelled me to start, you know, investing in properties. Wow. That's, <laughs> I don't even know where to start on that story. You moved. Yeah, I, I kept going. No, no, you good. So you moved into your garage to yeah. like, and we talk about people being focused to build wealth, but that's called real like focus and seriousness to somebody be willing to move in their garage so they can rent out all the rooms in their property so they could cash flow yeah. it completely. That's cr like, that's like unheard of. Like, <laughs> you would like that's crazy. I don't even know what to say about that. But that's like that just showed, like I said, that goes to show your dedication and discipline to do those things. Like, how long was you in the garage? I was in the garage for two years. Wow. So, yeah, I mean that garage had no heat, so it was freezing cold in the winter time. You know, Delaware gets pretty cold. Uh, no heat. You know, no air conditioning. But during, you know, a lot of questions like, well, what did you do for heat? I had the Sub-Zero sleeping bag. So a sleeping bag I got off of Amazon for like 50 bucks. And the Sub-Zero sleeping bag, for those that don't know, that's a sleeping bag where you got the hood that goes over the top of your head. You can tighten up the eyes and it's good for like negative 20 degrees. So I just hopped in that cocoon every single night and I was warm, I was good. And it really just taught me how to just be mentally strong and just be like, no matter what happens, I knew I was gonna be all right. So it was like a mental training for me. And during that time, I just cut off you know, I was basically in like, like solitary confinement, if you will. Like I cut off the TV. All I did was just read books. I listened to audio books and really just worked on my mind. I listened to Eric Thomas, like night in, night out, just really getting that mindset together. And I even told the story to people while I was going through it. I told people at the job what I was doing and they thought I was crazy. Like, what are you doing this for? You're making good money as a senior financial analyst at the bank. Like, what you, what's going on? I was like, I'm buying real estate. Oh, you're buying real estate. Aren't you scared that you know, all these what ifs and so forth. I didn't pay him any mind. I just laughed at him. I kept my head down. And I was putting <laughs> like 60 to 70 hours of work, of work every single like week, man. It was crazy. Wow. And that, and that's, that shows like, uh, that's another aspect of how I see it is like, it shows you how to be like a minimalist. 
like to go without a lot of stuff. So whenever you do decide, like, okay, I'm not gonna be in a garage anymore. I know I don't need that much because I've been, I've been sleeping in the garage for two years. I know I, how can I how can I lose if I'm okay sleeping in the garage for two <laughs> years, even when I didn't have to? Exactly. So it is like having that discipline, that sacrifice is really what helped propel me to where I'm at, where I am today. Mm. And I really love like really throughout that story is you just broke down so many mental barriers because like especially our age and just like coming from our backgrounds, you was never supposed to do something like that. Like, you were supposed to go the traditional route. You were supposed to stay with your girlfriend. You were supposed to start a family. You were supposed to just follow the American dream. But right. you you broke that off real quick and just dive into what you felt deep down was the right thing to do. And I love, like, um that you chose house hacking because for a lot of new real estate investors, we tell them that's one of the best ways for you to get started, honestly, like, to jump in and see how things go, especially using the FHA loan to um get in that way with the 3% down. But can you describe any other benefits associated with house hacking? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So house hacking, you know, you're going to be able to, the biggest expense that people, you know, realize is that, you know, living costs. Living costs, if you look at all your expenses, living costs is basically number one for a lot of people. So if you're able to find a way to diminish and get your living costs down to zero, then you're going to be in a good position to allow you to have more money that you could then take and invest. Some people make the mistakes like, oh man, I got my living costs down. Now I'm just gonna blow it at the party. I'm gonna go clubbing, I'm gonna buy a Bentley, I'm gonna buy the Range Rover, I'm gonna ball out. But if you're able to treat your money like your servant, like I learned this from the richest man in Babylon, I treat your funds like your servant and let them reproduce by putting them into other investment vehicles, then you're gonna be able to achieve the accumulation of money a lot faster. So it's that compounding effect that people need to really take advantage of. So you got the, the FHA program, which is fantastic. But even before I got married, I told my wife, I said, listen, I need you to get an investment property before we get married. I need you to utilize the FHA program. So I had uh, my wife buy a triplex, a three unit building. So it's three separate apartments. Um, and we used the 203K FHA program where we're able to fix up that triplex we got it for 90 grand, put 60 grand worth of work into it. Now it's worth just around 400,000. But when I moved to Philly, we actually stayed in one of those units because I still wanted to live for free. We rented out the middle and the top units. So we're living for free, had our Whole Foods bill covered. And it was just, again, it's all about that sacrifice. Mm, that's major right there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, something that I see you uh, talk about often is leveraging your credit. And do you yep. mind just going over like, why is that so important for people to uh, leverage their credit and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like, you know, a big saying was, like, cash is king. But in reality, credit is king. And what I mean by credit being king is, like, if I wanted to buy, say, my first property was a quarter million dollars, 250000 it would have probably taken me about 20 years to save up $250,000 to buy that property. So I would have been still waiting, you know, still waiting for, enough savings to take place for me to just to buy that one property. I wouldn't have any properties right now. I've still been saving up to get that 250,000. So with leverage, however, I'm able to put down just 3% of that 250,000 and step into a property that I'm able to generate funds every single month. I still own that property. I still rent it out by the rooms and I'm still cash flowing crazy just because I was able to use leverage. I got my initial payment back. And now just, I'm just playing with house money. That's just an infinite return. 
even even with putting my initial cash out, I'm getting a, a 60 to 80% return on my funds. But once I get those funds back, now I'm playing with house money. It's just, it's just, it's a different way of thinking. So that's why I love real estate. And I loving, love being able to leverage assets that are going to produce me more funds. And it's all about, you know, analyzing the deal appropriately because none of this will work if you don't know how to analyze a deal. If you don't, can't tell the difference very quickly between a good deal and a bad deal, because I see too often people are just jumping into real estate just to own something, but it's a bad deal. Their cash flowing negative. The deal doesn't make any sense. And the only person that made out was the person that sold the property. Yep, that's, that's facts. And yep. just going into that, what are some, for the people that's listening to this, what are some good indicators to know whether a deal is a good deal or a bad deal? No, that's, that's a great question. That's a great question. I use, um, you know, there's a cash flow analysis that I use. Basically, it's very simple. You got the, or, you know, once you understand it, you got the revenue coming in from a property. You got all the expenses associated with the property, the mortgage, taxes, interest rate, you know, fi fixing up the property. And then, you, you know, you get down to your bottom line, which is your cash flow. But when it comes to buying a property, I'm looking at my 65% rule in which I all, all, just want to buy undervalued assets. So buying assets that are undervalued. So I'm looking at what the value is once I fix it up then I want to be at 65% from a purchase and construction standpoint, because I know that's going to allow me to use leverage early on in the short term. And I can use you know, different types of funding that I use, use leverage in the short term. Then as I fix the property up, get it stabilized, rent it out. Now I'm able to take that same property to a bank that's going to finance me at 75% or even 80% of that value. So basically what I'm doing by recognizing that deal in the beginning, making sure that's a good deal is that I'm making sure that I get my initial investment right back in my pocket. So then I'm able to recycle those funds to the next project. And I do that over and over and over again. And that's how you accumulate a portfolio. Man, that's, that's genius right and there. And that's really key right there. Cause like we deal with a bunch of um, real estate investors and you have to tell them, you know, when you're doing this and you plan on doing it for the long run, you got to constantly be reinvesting back into the business. You can't be taking right. the cash flow you're making and spending yep. it on your personal lifestyle, it all has to go back into the business and let the cycle repeat itself. Exactly, and that's the name of the game. And that's really where like the sacrifice comes in, right? Like during that time I'm buying properties, I'm still eating rice and beans and broccoli, steaming up fish when I eat some fish. So I'm still laying low, I'm still working the job. I'm not just quitting automatically because my job was my biggest funder at the time. Because when I first got started, I'm putting 20% down on every single property. So what that means is when I buy a $60,000 property, I got to come up with 12 grand and then some, you know, some extras. So about 15 grand for every single property. And on that return that I was receiving back then, I'm getting a, a 60 to 85% return on my investment based off of the cash flow numbers and getting that return on investment. But now that I figured out a way doing it that way, I was only limited to maybe two or three properties every single year, because imagine you got to put down 15,000, Next property got put down 15,000. Third property got put down 15,000. So you're about 45 grand in. And these are properties that are basically already ready to go. So I was just banking on receiving the cash flow. And then by year, like 1.2 years, I was breaking even, getting my initial investment back. Then I would reload and buy a collection, a collection of uh, additional properties. But that way was like the slow way, which is no, nothing wrong with that way. But people that don't want to do any work, just want some quick lipstick jobs or just move in ready. You put your 20% out and you collect your cash flow and it just keeps compounding you know, over and over again. But then once I got hit to the game of using leverage and buying undervalued properties and really getting good at fixing them up, 
then that's when things started to change because now it's like man i don't have to wait a whole year to two two years to receive my initial capital back now i can keep flowing you know have five projects going on all at one time getting the funds right back just running a whole nother clip with the same funds so yeah it's just it's just real estate is a beautiful thing because you can you can work in so many ways but my main goal is to keep keep building generational wealth right and providing freedom and mobility for myself you know my wife got her out of her situation her job you know for my family and i don't even have kids yet but i'm looking at them to set them up but even but even taking a step further and set their kids up so they're gonna be like man my great great granddad set up this whole empire for us and we're still able to eat off of it and i'm going to train up everyone so you know how the business works so that way in 30 years from now when all those houses are paid off now they have the option to just refinance those properties continue to get that cash flow continue to get that lump sum of cash right in their pocket and now they're just doing the same thing collecting rents over and over again then 30 years goes past again they're doing the same thing with their kids so it's all about just educating the family and making sure everyone eats even without me being here. Mm. I love I, I love that talk. We talk about we talk about that all the time. We uh me and Deanna, we often talk about doing stuff, even though we don't have kids right now, but we we talk about doing stuff right now to set up our kids when we do have them. And something that, that you uh mentioned multiple times is just like living that that frugal lifestyle. And there's so many people, especially be, being in a position they was in the position you was in they would start getting cute or already would already been turning <laughs> up while and so like what keeps like that focus for you to, to, to remain like frugal like where does that come from yeah i think it, i think it comes from my my parents and i've seen them you know go through different different cycles of life and so forth so like for instance you know my dad was the president of philadelphia international records at a young age um, my mom, she worked in finance, worked for a pharmaceutical company, worked for the city of Philadelphia. And during a, a period of time, like the dot-com era, I've seen them trading their retirement funds right in the stock market. Kind of like, you know, today, where I've seen them make, you know, $15,000 a day, $30,000 a day. You know, they had to count up, you know, a million dollars. But then at the same time, when everything, when that bubble burst, they lost a million. So I was like, man, that's crazy. But I still was intrigued with stocks. I still do some or I used to do some investing. I don't have any position right now in stocks. I may buy some, we'll see. But having that financial discipline, just seeing that my dad was actually very, very frugal, like he drove a 30-year-old BMW for like years. I'm like, Dad, I felt embarrassed going up, pulling up to school. Like, Dad, why don't you get a new car? I don't understand. All the kids at GA, they're getting Range Rovers, they're getting this and that. Well, he always kept me very grounded to the point where, you know, at 4.30 in the morning, every, like every single morning on the weekend, he would wake me up, with a rag of hot water and we had like 5,000 square feet. So he had me clean all the carpets in the house. I mean, sitting there with a, with a toothbrush, a rag and just scrubbing these little black spots in the carpet, getting it clean. We had like white, white carpets. So you can imagine little, little specks of dirt. So I'm in there cleaning, but it just taught me how to get up early in that work ethic, which I just kept with me forever. And, and getting that early jump on the world just been amazing. And, and my father actually gave me that book, Richest Man in Babylon when I was in seventh grade. I really didn't read it until I was like two, three years into college. And that's when things really started to click and started to make sense as I got older. I just wasn't ready for it at the time. And that happens a lot. You know, a lot of times people aren't ready to receive that information uh, at where they are in life. But eventually, once they start experiencing life, they're like, man, now I see what Doug was talking about. Like you can, you can imagine over the course of 10 years, I talked to every single person I know about real estate. And I mean, I was giving them the game. They all thought I was crazy. 
And now once you start seeing the results, they're like, oh, now I see what you now I see what you're saying. And they're like, Doug, can you help me buy my first property? I was like, man, I'm I'm on, I'm on like, I'm trying to get to a thousand properties. You're trying to get that one property. I don't have time just to sit down with you and try to walk you through those steps unless you're part of the, you know, the mentorship program. Like you missed out. That was 18 years ago. When we were <laughs> out here just, you know, I was just like, yo, you got to buy a property, got to buy a property. But a couple people took heed, like less than a handful of people really listened to what I was saying. And now their lives are changed forever. And that's really what it's about changing as many people's lives forever. And that's why I try to do such a great job at just putting the information out there. Cause then it's just that all I want to change is one life. So if someone's able to grasp that information, like, man, I don't have to work till I'm 67 and a half. I don't have to rely on this pension that may be there, may not be there. I don't have to rely on Medicare and all this other stuff that's going on in the world. But having some independence and being, you know, I always talk about, you know, being a fisherman rather than being the person that just receives the fish, right? Because I'm going to teach people how to fish because I, I could just, you know, give people money and fish and so forth. But until you really learn the game, you're helpless. You're dependent on me. And being in that corporate setting, I was really dependent on the job to keep paying me every two weeks. But once I realized that I can make my own bonuses, I can make my own income by investing in myself and get, taking time to turn off the TV, stop watching the game, stop watching the shows and really, you know, just lock in, then that's when my life really started to change. And I think that's, that's, a, big, that's a big thing that people need to do. They got to just cut the cord. Yeah. And that'll kind of, like, if you really want to become rich or wealthy, that'll, that'll compound it. If you stay locked in, you know, doing those things, live like a, a frugal life. If you really want to, if you really want to be rich, it'll happen fast, much, much faster doing it, going that route. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you want, you can have. And, and one of the pivotal moments was, you now I'm working these 70 hours a, a week at the job. You know, every, every time we have these year-end reviews and they sit me down and say, Doug, you know, thank you for, you know, showing up every day. Um, however, you're just a meets meets this year. And with being a meets meets, we don't have any bonus money for you. And we really were expecting a little bit more out of you, my like, little bit more out of you. I just gave you 70 years of my life every single week, week in, week out. And you only pay me for 40 hours. So that's the extra, what's that extra? Like 30 hours a week that I'm putting in yep. for free and you don't have anything for me. Like, Stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to uh, get into something that I've seen you talk about on Instagram. You talked about how you got three properties for uh, 900000 but it cost you 90000 but you only had to come to closing for 27000 But then you were saying how you use your business credit, so you pretty much came out of pocket zero. So I, I was like, yo, we got to talk about this. Do you mind just uh, talking about that? Yeah, I mean, so basically... You know, I got good at just finding deals and locating areas of town where I could buy a building for the low, you know, and then add value, make it into a multifamily, and then get it appraised for a much higher value than what I'm buying it at. So the, one of the ways that I get financing is I only have to put down 10% of the purchase price, and then they'll fund 100% of the rehab. And then with me being my own GC, I make up that rehab number and I make sure that there's enough cushion in there for myself for running the project. So some people might see like, I see Doug, you know, running around these different projects a lot. But the reason for that is because I'm GC in my own projects and I'm able to pay myself for putting the project together. And that's a great, you know, it's important for you to learn how to put these projects together 
because there's always going to be an abundance of opportunity, especially for those that know how to uh, put the project together. And I, and I don't mean with your bare hands. I mean simply knowing, knowing the plays, knowing the steps and procedures of construction so that we could take a house that's worth nothing, add value and improve it. So that way then it's worth that 900,000 that we talked about. So like for instance, that, that amount, those uh, funds, you know, that comes from a triplex, like over here in North Philadelphia, you could get triplexes once they're fixed up to be worth about 400 to 450,000 that are income producing, cash flow producing and, and so forth. You know, but if you're able to locate them and get those for a low price, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be able to build your portfolio very quickly. Mm. That's, that's major right there. Yeah. And, uh, you want to say something? Yeah. So you mentioned um, being a GC. What would you say are some of the other skill sets that could really help you thrive as a real estate investor to add yeah. on to your, um, your portfolio? Yeah, I think uh, some of the other skill sets, you, you know, you got to be willing to improve and to learn, right? Because I made the mistake of trying to just figure out basically everything by myself, you know, through reading books and so forth. But I was one of the guys, I was an action taker. So I'm like, I'm just going to figure it out on the way. So I'm going to make these moves and figure it out. But if I would have had someone like myself to kind of just, hey, Doug, here's the playbook. You follow A to Z, you're going to get to where you're going a lot faster. So I, I wish I, was, I had that, that playbook, essentially. But now I don't want to have anyone else experience that, you know, 10 years of ups and downs, you know, losing money or, and, and trying to figure stuff out because it can be hard. But the beautiful thing is I just want to share all of my experiences that I have with other people. So now it can make their lives a lot easier and it can help reach their goals a lot quicker. So I think some of the skills you need is, you know, to always be learning. Mm. You have to develop a confidence in yourself, right? Because it comes down to confidence because a lot of people can have all the knowledge in the world, but if they don't have that confidence, it's going to be very hard to get from A to Z. So if you have the confidence in yourself that, hey, listen, I got this far in life and no matter what happens, I'm smart enough to figure it out. So and that's the type of confidence I had, you know, going throughout my life that, hey, no matter what happens, I'm going to figure it out and there is a solution. So you got to have that confidence. You got to be willing to sacrifice and you got to have, you know, short-term sacrifice, long-term gain, right? So you got to take that approach because everything I do is calculate. I'm looking generation generations ahead i'm not just looking at you know till tomorrow what's gonna happen tomorrow i'm looking out to the future so that way i can position myself and make acquisitions today based off of today's numbers but i know what's going to happen in the future in regards to all right in 30 years this building is going to be paid off completely and i'll be able to just refinance it again continue to kick cash flow every single 30 days like it's nothing like receiving cash flow (laughs) day out like it's 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 life change like i could be I could literally be across the country, across the world somewhere, and every 30 days, that money's just hitting my account. And, and this year, I've really been focusing on that freedom and mobility. So we've been setting up systems. My wife's been coming in and helping out tremendously. We got virtual assistants in the Philippines, you know, for $3 an hour. There's people that'll do work for $3 an hour, and they, and they appreciate you're changing their lives, you're changing their world with $3. And now they're able to produce for you. So that way you're, you're running a machine that allows for freedom and mobility. So, you know, getting that retirement and that, that ease is just, is just an amazing feeling. Like they couldn't pay me enough to go back to the corporate world and have you sit down and really hug that cubicle. You know, it, just, it just doesn't make any sense. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I like that you keep mentioning like how you build and pretty much building a legacy. 
and building generations down the line. Like we did, we did an episode with uh, Don Peebles Jr. and he was saying how him and his father doesn't have a thirty year plan; they have a three hundred year plan. And mm-hmm. ever, <laughs> yeah, and ever since he said it, it was like, man, that's that's and it's like no wonder y'all in the position that y'all in because y'all thinking so far ahead. Right. And but I want to ask you, like, we talk to a lot of people about real estate, and one of the most important things is having a team, having a good real estate team. So I want to ask you, how do how does someone build a a real estate team, a good one? And who yeah. Are yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, when it, when it comes to building a team, you really have to understand the pieces of the, of the board, right? Yep. So everyone plays an integral part and you have to treat everyone like that, like they're the most important player on your team. So that's key. Got to make sure people get paid on time for doing work that they complete. But with building a team, you know, you need, you need people to bring you the deals, right? So you really have to spend some time networking with, you know, wholesalers, realtors. Um, you also need to figure out the acquisition side. Like you have to be able to go out and find the deals yourself. Like for instance, you know, we have this, this door hanger that we get, that we put right on doors. Oh, yep. He's got my wife's picture right here and so forth, the number. So we'll just go ahead and get those doors out, door hangers out. So people are calling us for deals. That's one way. So we got the acquisition side of the team. Now we need a good title company, right? Someone that we can call up and say, hey, you know, this is a property we're going to buy. Can you just run a quick title to see if it's even worth my time? See if it's going to be clear. Is it even going to be insurable? So as you build up these team members and then even from a contractor standpoint, you know, you got to have a great contractor. If you don't plan on GCing, GCing or general contracting the project itself. So you got to have that good contractor and you got to interview, you know, you might have to go through a couple contractors but you also want to go ahead and see their work see the references so you build your team then you got to get your team of sub subcontractors that's your plumbers your electricians your framers all the people that are required to build the house but but most importantly you also have to develop these good banking relationships because you need to use opm you can't simply build an empire just using your own cash like it's going to take too long you know by the time you get 10 properties i might be at a thousand properties by then you know what i'm saying so what it what it comes what uh what it comes into is the fact that you build these relationships. So you got to have people that can help finance your deals. You got to have people that put you into long-term financing with your deals. Um, so that way, when it comes time you want to get out, you got to have someone to get you out of that deal, right? So building that team, then you also have to have the back office. So we have in-house property management. Uh, I actually have a company that my wife runs where we actually will give loans to new investors. So we'll set them up, we'll broker the deals for them and really walk them through the process because we know what it's like to be a, a, new, a new investor getting into the game and really understanding the full picture. So that way we make sure that you're making the, the right step forward in building your empire. So building that team and just making sure that, you know, you just stay focused and no matter what happens, don't give up. Because right. the moment you give up, they like none of it's possible. You're done for. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. And let's. Uh, I want to talk about debt for a second. What is your mentality about debt? Because you get a lot of people that'll be like, "Nah, I don't do don't don't do debt. Don't get into debt or anything." But then you got a lot of people that say, "Nah, leverage that debt." You know what I mean? So, what is your mentality towards that? Oh yeah, my mentality is you need debt. You need to use OPM, and I don't mind being in debt. The more debt I'm in, that means the more assets I have. That means the more cash flow I'm receiving. Yep. So with that, it's all about analyzing the deal to make sure it makes sense. So when, when it makes sense, I'm looking at the cash flow numbers. 
If the cash flow is strong, like typically my debt coverage ratio, so from the debt to the money I have coming in is right around like 1.8. So that means if I got $1,000 going out, I got $1,800 coming in, yep. right? So now I'm in a good debt position. So let's say even if uh, the economy takes a turn for the worse, I can lower my rents down to that thousand bucks, you know, from 1800 down to a thousand and I'm still good. I'm still in a good situation. I'm not living above my means and I'm still able to, to have the, the mortgages paid off. But in order to scale in this business, like you look at any company, you have to take, you have to be able to, and comfortable taking on debt. And I have other people paying down this debt. So there's tenants paying down the debt. Right. And that's the name of the game. It's the cash flow game. Yep. And, uh, so I also seen you speak on how you you say you have fifty percent of your rental property income is from Section Eight, and I'm like, man, I, I definitely love this conversation because once again, you'll get people that kind of down talk. You know, I'm pretty sure you heard it before. People try to try to down talk Section Eight, saying they don't mess up the property, you won't you won't right. get your money and right, stuff right, like right. that. So, what is what is your thoughts on that? I, I love Section Eight. I love <laughs> Section. I haven't missed the payment with Section Eight. I've only had like one eviction with a, with a Section 8 tenant and it wasn't even really an eviction. Um, so with Section 8, the beautiful thing is a couple different beautiful things, right? They don't necessarily tear up your property. I make these properties very nice and you can, you know, you can check in with your property. You don't have to just abandon your property just because right. the Section 8 tenant's in there. So you can monitor it, you know, periodically, but they take care of the property. I get paid on time. I haven't missed a payment. And in addition to that, let's say for instance, the Section 8 tenant loses their job. Say if they only had, were responsible for $200 a month of the rent, they lose their job. Now Section 8 actually jumps in and they'll pay 100% of the rent. So that's just extra insurance. So by me buying property, especially in the, in the areas they call the hood, mm -hmm. that's like a great buffer. So now as the hood is in, in pre, appreciating and growing and gentrifying and so forth, I'm locking in my rents with the, with the PHA Section 8 program. So that way I'm continuing to get paid and I work the numbers so that there's strong cash flow. And then when it comes time to you know, leverage my mortgages, I'm leaving 20, at least 25% equity in, inside the property. So for any reason, if the economy or the housing market tanks 25%, I'm still good from a standpoint of, if I were to sell the property, then we'll be able to clear the, clear the note and I'll be able to keep it moving. But my name in the game is I don't plan on ever selling these properties. I plan on keeping them for the long haul from generation, generation, generation. So even as the cycles of the economy take place, I'm still in good shape because I didn't plan on selling the properties. I plan on keeping them and I'm staying below my means and I have you know, money saved as well as the cash flow. And with having money saved by doing that burst strategy or that strategy where I'm able to not deplete my cash, the cash I put out, I get right back running through the property. Now I'm able to uh, stay cash heavy for that way if, it, if things do turn, and I'm able to go ahead and just scoop things up for even cheaper pennies on a dollar. And I've been already good at finding those houses that are penny for penny on a dollar in today's market. So I'm going to continue to do that in each and every market. And it's very simple the way I invest simply because, or, you know, once you learn, it's simple, it's simple for me, but we're not investing on speculation. That's mm -hmm. the name of the game. Like some people want to invest in speculation. Like I'm just going to buy this property and I'm going to hope that it goes up 500% but I'm not going to cash flow right now. I'm just hoping that eventually it goes up. But I'm investing for cash flow and based off of today's values. So if today's values are lower, then I'm running my numbers on a you know, lower valuation. So I'm not like, hey, I'm just going to buy this because I know tomorrow it's going to be this. And, and some people will get sold into buying properties on speculation. And that's what I notice is when they get in trouble. Mm. 
Can't sleep right there. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that you said that you pretty much never plan on selling. And that's the same mentality that we have for like everything we invest in. We like, we never selling. And people, sometimes people ask like, so what's the, what's the reward? Like, what do you mean you ain't never going to sell? Ain't that where the money is? Like, where, where the reward come in? And it's, it's funny to me when, I, when people ask that, because it's like, I remember I asked, um, I used to sell them. I was like, I asked her the same question. Because I'm like, people ask me all this time. She was like, I think people don't understand what a reward really is. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's, I think that's the, the best, the best way to answer that. But what do you, what do you think about that? I, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what the reward is, right? You know what the reward is? It's very simple. It's one word. Freedom. <laughs> yep. Freedom. Yep. You know, that's what that's what that's it. You yep. can't put a price tag on your freedom. Right? You can be paying me hundreds of thousands of dollars, but if I gotta hug that cubicle, I don't have my freedom. I'm not able to pick up and go as I please. You know, if someone calls me tomorrow, like, hey Doug, meet me in Costa Rica, I'm gonna look at the flights and I'm out. Yep. You feel me? That's freedom and mobility. So that's that's something where you just can't put a price tag on you know, being able to spend time with your, with your family, your loved ones. Like my dad, he's experiencing Alzheimer's and I'm able to be there for him and pop up whenever I want and take him places, go to the movies. I can show him the projects. You know, we can go for a walk in the, walk in the park. It doesn't matter because I have that freedom and that's more valuable to me than the money. Like people ask me, how many properties do you have? Not enough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? As long as I have my freedom and able to get my wife's freedom, my kids' freedom that I don't have yet and their kids' freedom, that's what I'm doing it for. Mm. And something um that comes up regularly is like you know having the corporate job and of course you know it's a great way to fund like your um real estate journey. But for you, when was the the stopping point? When did you feel comfortable enough in real estate to actually leave your corporate job? No, that's that's a great, great, great question. I think when I got to the point where my real estate cash flow was superseding what I was making at the job, it didn't make sense for me anymore. Right. So I worked out the cash flow to be above above what I was making at the job. So then it's just like, you know what? I need to bet on myself. Some people are like, oh, well, we need job security. We need this. Now, I mean, I had a sweet job. You know, I was had the company car. I had the easy pass, which is so you could go through tolls on the company. I had the credit card with them, the gas card. I mean, I was traveling to Canada when I went to in the company car, what have you. So I gave all that up because I wanted to bet on myself. And when I did that, when I made that decision, things got like 10X for me. I started to really accelerate and hit the ground running and was able to devote more time and focus into just building the empire, you know, working on my craft and getting better. So I'm really thankful for just having that opportunity and really having that discipline during that whole span because I always kept at the forefront. I want to retire early. I want to retire early. Then, you know, my wife got in the picture. I was like, man, like, what do I look like retired early working on my dream? And she's still going in, clocking in as a nurse for 12 hours every single you know, day, actually three days a week, clocking in and, you know, getting back pain and tired of standing. I wear the special socks and all this craziness. I'm like, you know, I can't I can't have my family relying on another man to put bread on the table. So I had to get her, you know, retired from that. So that way we we're able to focus on our business and growing. And she's been like a huge, huge help in the growth in regards to setting up the systems, setting up the VAs, you know, just really just coming together and really working on the, on the bigger picture, which is just more freedom for our family and, and some, helping others. You know, something I, I noticed that you said, you said uh, perfecting your craft. And that's, that's, that, that alone shows a lot what you're saying that because that's a, that's a very important statement. It shows where your mentality is, that you treat this 
like a crab. You know how some people, like, uh, they'll fall in love with something, whether it's sports or anything, but if it don't work out, it's like they don't treat – like, they don't treat, like, their livelihood as far as getting that freedom like it's a craft like that. It kind of just treated like it's just, you know, just yeah. any, any old regular thing. But what you saying, that shows that you treat this like a like a professional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You take this very seriously. And that shows why you get the results that you get. Right, right, right. Because, you know, the, like my dad always told me, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Mm. So I'm constantly going through my life just like, where can I improve at? I got to be able to get better. There's, I'm, I, there's, there's got to be a tweak that I can make to make this process better, to make this outcome better, and, and so forth. So, you know, all through those, my life, I've been constantly trying to improve and get better, you know, day in and day out. So when I wake up every morning, so like, how can I just get just a little bit better? Because there is, you know, like I said, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say, I, I like that you uh, mentioned how uh, you married. And I love having this conversation because me and in a relationship myself, I know like how, how many benefits and how important it is building with somebody that's on the same page as you. And do you mind just talking about that? Like the benefits of, oh, of being married and how that, <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just something where, like, even to take it a step further when it came time to, you know, that decision where you want to be rich or you want to be poor, and that particular person said they're okay being poor, like, you got to be able to make that strong decision, like, hey, this is not going to work out. Mm -hmm. If you get here, I, I can't have this baggage, I can't have this dead weight, this negative energy pulling me down. And most people don't have the strong mindset to really just cut, cut it right then and there. Mm -hmm. Most people, you know, try to work things out, and they're going to basically put their dreams on hold. Next thing you know, their whole life is going to go past and they're not going to be able to achieve the things that they're able to achieve simply because of their mindset and because they weren't able to make that tough decision. You know, in this game, you got to make a lot of tough decisions. <laughs> life, you got to make a lot of tough decisions. Either It's either yes or no. And, then, you know, you can't make excuses, right? Because my mom taught me all excuses are the same no matter what it is. So when someone starts hitting me with excuses, it's either yes or no. You know what I mean? It's or you're going to get it done or you're not going to get it done. But when it comes back to, to selecting your partner, you got to make sure that it's someone that you can grow with. Because if you're not growing, you're dead. So, so you have to continue to elevate each other. You got to continue to build each other up. It doesn't have to be like the same business. You don't necessarily have to be, okay, we're just right. going to do the real estate thing and just go up. But, you know, whatever they're building, you got to support that. And whatever that person's building, they got to support each other. And really sit down and say, all right, what is our goal? You know, for one of our big goals this year is to travel and see the world as much as possible. So that's what we're locking in on while building our real estate um, portfolio and business. So that way it's going to allow more freedom and mobility for us to achieve that goal. So that's a common goal. That's why Larissa works extremely hard. That's why I work extremely hard just to have more freedom and mobility and set those processes together. But if you have, if you have someone that doesn't, is not in tune with where you're trying to go, it's going to be that much more challenging. And sometimes what happens is you can have these grandiose plans, but your partner might not believe you until you actually start to see results. You actually start less talking and more doing. You should lead with the action. You know, when they start seeing you, okay, investing your time and studying, once they start seeing you saving money for the next investment property, once they start seeing you really taking it serious, then that's when your better half, your, your partner is going to be like, all right, he's serious. He's not just playing around. Like, how are you going to be like, hey, I want to be a real estate investor. But every time you come home and take your jacket off, you're sitting at the, uh, the couch with a beer watching the game. 
Mm-hmm. You know I mean, you got to make those sacrifices. If you don't make those sacrifices, how is how is your partner going to take you serious? Let alone other people that you tell your dreams to. Like, hey man, I'm gonna be a real estate investor. Okay, well, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm about to get ready. You know how many friends of mine are about to get their first property that I've been talking to for the last 10 years? I already know how the conversation's gonna go. Hey, Doug, man, how you doing, man? I'm gonna get with you, man. I'm gonna get with you with that real estate stuff. Like, yo, don't get with me, get with yourself. <laughs> real talk, real talk. And uh, that's funny. But it's, and, you, and you said how we have to make like tough decisions on a regular. And I think a, a problem that people have with making like something that'll make those that'll help you make those decisions easier is delegate delegating the small things. And I know right. that's that you talk about is a uh, delegating. A lot of times, like new business people, entrepreneurs, we try to do everything. We don't want right. to delegate because we don't want to probably want, we don't want to pay no, pay no. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we want to do everything in house, but how important is delegating those things so you can free up the time to focus on the big income producing things? Oh man, it, it told me, uh, it's a, it took me a long time to really realize the importance of delegation because <laughs> Me with that frugal background that I have, I'm like, man, I could do everything. I could, I could lease the property up. I could fix the property up. I could be the maintenance man. I could be the guy putting the package together for the banks. You know, I could be the guy almost preparing my taxes. I could be the guy changing the tires. Like I'm, the, I'm that type of guy where like I know how to do everything. I could wire up. A, I could fix a whole house up with my bare hands. But then it's like, well, what are you trying to do? What's your goal? Like, how many properties are you able to wire up at a time? Why not just pay the electrician to wire up the properties? Now you can have four or five projects going on at a time. You know, how many sheets of sheetrock can you hang yourself? You know, I was thinking about getting the crank and cranking everything up and so forth. So until I like really learned delegation and I'm thankful for my wife, she's like, you can't be doing all that stuff. You got to <laughs> hire somebody. She's finding people at $3 an hour, you know, guys that work all day for $100 a day, $200 a day, what have you. And it really shows you the importance that, yeah, you might have to spend a little bit and it seems like a uh, detriment, you know, when you're looking at your total budget. But then once you look at your potential growth to where you can go, you're like, man, that was worth it. Like, man, I, if, if I didn't delegate these tasks, I would have to actually be in the trap every single day, like physically getting the stuff done. Now I can get stuff done with just a couple of apps on the phone. Mm. Yeah, and I love that because it's like you got to use that same mentality in other areas of your life, especially when it comes to yourself, like this couple hundred dollars, you may invest into a mentorship program or into your education or something like that. Look at where it's going to take you in the long run. And so right. they can't see it. They could spend their money on, you know, some shoes or some clothes right. or something like that. But you got to be able to change your mentality and spend that money on where it's really going to benefit you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really, that's really the cheat code, getting education, and spending the money on education, I don't really consider it like an expense. It's really an investment in yourself. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, let's say if you, if you spend money, say for instance, people that invest in my program, they get all this knowledge and they actually get from A to Z, how to you know, build your own empire. But once you made the investment, you have the information and the knowledge forever, right? You know how to fish forever. So even if I'm not in the picture, you're still out here fishing. And you're catching fish. And now you have the information, the knowledge where you're able to take it to your family, for those that want to listen, for those that want to learn how to fish. Now they're fishing. Now your, your family unit is that much stronger. And now your generation is starting to get set up based off of that knowledge you receive. Just off of that tiny investment is like, man, if I can show you how to make you know, a million dollars with a small investment, then it's completely worth it. But most people see it as, oh man, I'm spending money right. and I, you know, they're not really investing in, the, in themselves. So that's where 
you know, it's a mindset thing. But once you tap into your mindset and realize that anything you want, you can have, you put work in and you go ahead and grasp the knowledge and obtain the knowledge. Mm -hmm. And and that might sound uh, cliche to people, but like I always say, the cliches are the cliches for a reason. They stand the test of time. So when you talk about mentality and how you could pretty uh, do anything that you put your mind to, it's true. It's yeah. really got to apply yourself. And uh, I want to talk about because a lot of times people hit me up and they'll be like, "Yo, I don't got no, I don't got no bread, and like my credit, my credit pretty bad." But I'm trying to get into real estate. Like, what, what, what route you got for me? Like, they kind of look at it like it's like gonna be one of those little yeah. easy get in and get out yeah. games. And I'm right. like, get rich, like get rich quick schemes. And I'm like, my mentality is, I'm like, if you ain't got no, you ain't got no credit, you ain't got no, you ain't got no money, you don't need to be messing with real estate right now. Right. So right. what's what's your, what's your mentality towards that? I mean, my my mentality is, you know, you really got to get your credit right. So you got to do some research on getting your credit right, and that's what you know I like to help people with. You know, point them in the right direction because um, credit is so important. Yeah, you can do this potentially without credit if you partner with someone that has the credit. Right. Um, but you have to be able to get access to these funds. Yep. And part of the thing is that, you know, people that are loaning you money, they want to make sure that you're going to get the money back to them. And once you have a, a history or a track record in the marketplace, like, hey, I know if I give Doug half a million dollars, you don't get that half a million dollars back and then some money on top. So you have to be able to have that good credit and really work on yourself and really get a grasp of your, your own personal expenses, right? Because so, so far, like people have money coming in, but they don't know where that money goes at all. So it comes down to you really have to be on top of your finance, your personal finances, and really run it like a business. Mm, like so, so that's huge. And then, you know, once you have that taken care of, now you can get into, you know, learning how to invest in real estate the best way possible. And, you know, we focus on getting, you know, there's personal lines, there's business lines of credit. So that way now you now you can really play the game because now you have leverage and you're able to make these moves in the marketplace with having the ability to analyze what's a good deal. And then you're going to be that much more dangerous because you have all the tools right in your hip. Yeah, I like that. And I uh, only got a couple more questions for you. And I want to, ask, I see, I've seen you talk about like how to scale up, use your properties to scale up to get more properties. So for people that's listening to this and they wonder like, okay, like what, what, how does somebody do that? Do you mind going over? Yeah. So, so, I mean, basically the name of the game is finding undervalued properties, All right. obtaining those undervalued properties using some leverage, you know, coming a little out of pocket to, to uh, put the property together. You know, you got your construction loan. If you are going to be the GC, then you can GC your own project. But even if you're not being the GC, that's fine. You can still buy properties undervalued. Then once you get them rented out and stabilized, you're able to refinance those properties and get that initial cash investment right back. So now your cash that you started with, you get that right back and then some. So your cash pile is actually growing every property that you receive. Then on the other end, your cash flow pile continues to grow every property that you receive. Let my dog out. <laughs> so, so now your, your cash flow is growing every property. So as you continue to recycle those funds and, and acquiring more properties, that cash, that cash flow pile keeps increasing, 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 increasing. So it was like you got a wheel where you just printing money, every single asset, you just printing money. So that's really how you're going to scale up just using, find, you know, specializing, find these undervalued properties, specializing and analyzing these properties, specializing, putting these properties back together, specializing on getting them rented out 
And I like to rent, it, rent them out through a guaranteed program through Section 8 Veteran Housing, you know, room rentals, what have you. And then collecting that cash flow and just repeating the process over and over again and really perfecting the craft, perfecting those numbers and making sure that you're buying the right investments. Okay. And uh, this was this was the 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 last the final question I had. And this I seen you wrote wrote an article and you talked about how to make ten thousand dollars a month without owning real estate. And I'm yeah. like, that this we we I gotta ask them this while we going. Yeah, so I mean so like I have an in-house property management company. So imagine if you figured out a way to be a property manager. And for those that don't know, a property man, like for people, for investors that own property, they necessarily don't want to be the person receiving the calls. They might not necessarily be the one, be the person, you know, collecting the rent, making sure the rent's paid. They might not want to be the person that goes to the eviction court, right? They might not be the person that wants to receive these maintenance calls in the middle of the night to fix a toilet, right? So right. they'll hire a property management company and the property management fee is anywhere between 8% and 10% of the rent. So, if that would, so just to keep it simple, if you rent something out for $1,000, then you owe the property management company $100, which is 10% of the rent, the rent revenue, right? Mm -hmm. So you're getting paid for every property that you manage. So in that scenario, if you're managing 10 of those properties, now you're getting 1,000 bucks coming to you every single month, right? Then if you manage a hundred properties, now you're, now you have $10,000 coming to you every single month. And what you want to do is you're going to network with other investors because there's tons of investors out there that don't want to manage the property. They just want to collect the cash flow and keep it moving. So now as your name gets out there, you know, now you're managing a hundred properties, 10,000, manage another hundred, that's another 10,000. You know, if you manage 500 properties, that's $50,000 a month coming in month in and month out but you set up those systems in place. Like you can get Appfolio, which is a, a property management uh, software that many of the big property managers use. There's Buildium, which is another platform that many big property managers use. And you basically set things up automatic. And with Appfolio, it's a situation where all the tenants, if they have an issue, they just put it in the, in the app, they submit it. But imagine if you had the VA that's able to get those responses, able to respond out to the tenants, and dispatch your list of, of people, third-party people that fix up the properties, right? Your maintenance team, and you can hire a third-party maintenance team. So you just have this VA, go ahead and call the third-party maintenance team. They dispatch them, they get the problem fixed. Then they just send an invoice to the property management company. Property management company takes that invoice and then they mark it up 10%. So they say, hey, I went out and fixed your toilet for hundred bucks. You say, all right, cool, no problem. I'm gonna charge a customer 110 bucks. So the customer uh, pays that fee, the customer pays that fee. And then with the customer paying that fee, you know, you don't have to pay for that. The customer pays for it and you make 10 bucks. That's game right there. Yeah. That's definitely game. I, I, I hope that uh, people taking heed to that. And uh, just before we wrap up, I just want to say, we really appreciate you taking time to come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want to ask yeah. one? I have one more question for you. All right, cool. So, cool. Um, Pretty much throughout the whole conversation, we, we discussed a lot of great stuff, and we definitely discussed all the pros to being a real estate investor, how it could really be beneficial to your life. But for the people listening, I know it's something important that before you jump into something, you need to see it from both sides of the, um, both sides of the game. So could you just give the people an idea of what are some of the cons to being a real estate investor and probably how they can mitigate some of those cons to be successful? Right. 
Um, one of the big things is going to be there's going to be contractors out there looking to, to steal your money. Facts. Right, right. That, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big one. You know, I, I tied up $100,000 of, of cash on a two-year project. Luckily, I, had an, uh, I was able to get out of the deal by fixing it up and then doing a cash-out refi. But that's going to be one, notifying good contractors. Two, really understanding what's a good deal. A lot of people just jump into these deals not knowing um, really what they're doing and if it, it is a true good deal. So one of the ways to kind of mitigate a lot of these risks is simply by getting mentorship from an experienced person in the game. Because the mentorship is going to save you a lot of money. It's going to save you a lot of headache. It's going to be someone that you could talk to about what you're going through and really give you the, the game plan down, which is a beautiful thing. And, um, and then just really executing. So once you have the knowledge, you have to just take action and execute. And I think what happens is a lot of people just, they might give up at the first sign of adversity or at the first time sign of something getting a little tough for them. Yep. So you really have to just sit back and, and keep pushing forward and really keep the why in your forefront and don't give up. Mm, I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, just we just want to say we really appreciate you for taking the time to come on. And uh, before we let you go, do you mind unplugging all your stuff where people can find you, reach you, and all that? Yeah, stuff? yeah absolutely, absolutely. So on IG, Instagram, it's uh, Doug Depp. That's D O U G. And then my last name, Depp, is like the abbreviation for department with the E at the end. So that's D like Doug, E like Eddie, P like Peter, T like Tom, E like Eddie. Doug Depp at Instagram. Uh, another thing is we have our own. Uh, loan program where we're helping uh, young investors to invest in properties on buy, buy and hold. So on the refinance, on the purchases, on the properties that need fixing up. So the properties you want to purchase and rehab, we're able to get you funds. And that email address is loans at acquisition.capital. Loans at acquisition.capital. And another thing, if you are looking for mentorship, uh, go to www.executewithdoug.com. So if you need more information, just hit me up on IG, go to executewithdoug.com. If you need help with your loans, uh, my wife handles that. Her name is Larissa uh, at loans at acquisition.capital. Cool. That was great, man. This was an amazing episode. Like I said, we're super glad you came on, bro. We appreciate you. Thank awesome. You. Awesome. Yes, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys as well. Yes, sir. And uh, and wrapping up for those who don't know, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C Miller and D. What's going on, folks? And you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent and Twitter is Deanna S Kent. And that's all we have for you guys. Appreciate appreciate you all for tuning to another episode. See you guys next episode. Peace. <laughs>
still believe in limitations. Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper. I've been chasing greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments and sacrificing temporary for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people. If you know they solid, elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that sh that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant.